What's going on, people? I am your host, the coldest player in the game, Lord Iceman. I'm here with another episode of Let's Talk Sports series podcast. Um, We're going to dive in a little bit on and about uh, one of the coaches' firings that just went down and a possible hiring associated with this same coach. Um, We're speaking about Monty Williams, uh, now the former coach of the Phoenix Suns, who is aggressively being approached by the Bucks organization. Um, Now, as some of you all know who have been following me for a while, um, I'm a part of two sports groups on social media. Um, One of them, uh, the Basketball Network group. Um, And I've noticed uh, not only there, but in places like Twitter and stuff like that, there's been a high amount of pushback on the fact that Monty Williams was even fired uh, from his head coaching position in Phoenix. Um, So I wanted to uh, dive in on that a bit. And I was going through uh, some comments that I was uh, reading just recently, and I screenshotted a few of them uh, so I could use them as uh, bullet points. Uh, One of them I saw stated uh, he shouldn't have ever been fired. They didn't even get a chance to practice, and CP3 got hurt. They need an offseason together, and then you can judge the coach. Another post came. He didn't have nobody but KD and Booker, and KD barely even got any run with them before the playoffs. Another post, Monty had no bench. I'm a Nuggets fan, and the trade to acquire KD was lopsided and will harm them through 2029. With all those firsts and first swaps, bench depth gone with little draft capital to replenish. They'll need to be masterful with free agency. All they had was KD and Book, and they took the one seed to six games. Laugh my ass off. You smoking meth. I got to push back on a lot of this because uh, these responses are very surface level thinking. Everybody's thinking about just the end result of the 2022-2023 season, but they're not looking at the previous three years and Monty Williams coaching over the course of the past four years in general. All these people saying Monty didn't have a bench and they only had KD and Booker seem to forget Monty has been the coach in Phoenix for four straight years. And for four straight years, they had a deep bench. As a matter of fact, the organization was cultivating young talent, but their coach wanted said talent traded away for superstars. Rather than honing their skill set and crafting that roster for success, Monty wanted an aging CP3 at point guard in order to get him a ring. His words. Despite the Suns organization drafting Booker to be a combo guard, point guard slash shooting guard, Suns roster over the years consisted of resources such as Aiton, Baines, Bridges, Oubre Jr., Cameron Payne, Dario Sart, uh, Jay Crowder, Cameron Johnson, Etwan Moore, Langston Galloway, Landry Shamet, JaVale McGee, Justin Jackson, Bismack Biombo. 
Monty himself lobbied to acquire KD. Anyone with rational thought process knew the Suns would have to deplete their roster in order to acquire him. This should come to no surprise to anyone since almost every team he's been on since leaving OKC have all followed suit and done this. What is slightly surprising is no one realizing Monty Williams over the years has not changed his play style, his coaching style at all. And he's been one of the worst coaches in terms of adjustments and keeping games close. As long as the Suns are front runners, he looks good. He looks great at what he's doing as a coach. When the Suns need to hanker down and do, let me see, do something a little bit out of the norm in order to stay in basketball games, more often than not, they fold. And this season, as well as the year, as, as well as the playoffs, I'm sorry, proved this once again. Another big issue people are ignoring is, along with the lack of adjustments, his overall game plan no longer consisted of three options, nor did it extend to a six-man as an option. Whoever caught a hot hand from the bench consistently did so when Booker was not scoring, or when CP3 got others involved due to Booker fizzling out in games. Over the years, we saw Cameron Johnson and Cameron Payne, along with Bridges, along with Jay Crowder and Oubre, all contribute and average low double-digit figures with CP CP3 guiding the offense. And during those stints, the Suns were the most dangerous due to spreading the ball. DeAndre Ayton averaging 18, and during those stretches, averaging as high as 25, and Booker being able to apply anything above, let's say, 25 points. I know people hear me say DeAndre Ayton's name and they get into a tizzy. Ayton, once again, averaged 18 and a 10 this season. And I know you all are ready to drag him, but I want you all to think about his particular circumstances for a second before diving in on him. This is a man that was drafted by this organization in order to align him with Booker to be a number two option. Yet, since Monty Williams became the coach, he's been far from that. Now, hold on. Allow me to expound on that. Aiden is not treated like a number two option, ladies and gentlemen, at all under Monty's reign. As a matter of fact, over the course of the past four or so years, he struggles to even retain starter minutes for the Suns roster. You mean to tell me none of you all have noticed this? Guys like Bridges, CP3, Durant, Booker, all average 32 minutes or greater per game for a season. Last season, Bridges averaged more than he did. Last season, Jay Crowder, Cameron Johnson, when you add them to the mix, were just under him by like three-tenths of a minute or something like that. And I know people want to say, well, maybe it's because he's in foul trouble. Aiden only averages two fouls per game. So it can't be that. 
Aiden didn't come into the league as a good or great defender. He had potential. But neither did the rest of the roster that was initially constructed either. Until the resource guys were trying to elevate themselves in order to get, you know, more minutes, convert their game so they could lobby for bigger contracts elsewhere and things of that nature. With CP3 navigating the offense, DeAndre Ayton gathers his best statistical outputs in a regular season. Monty Williams often treats Ayton the same way he treats a JaVale McGee or a Tyson Chandler. He has no plays designed to get him to be a part of the offense or to utilize him as a potential threat in case the opponent can slow down or stop either of the go-to parties in CP3 or Booker. He then applies heavy pressure to Aiton to suddenly become an uh, Alonzo Mourning-like defender or slightly better than, say, a Rudy Gobert and blames him every single time the Suns falter on the defensive side of the ball. Aiton's energy playing for this coach has been down since the second season they've been together. It's noted that DeAndre Ayton wanted out after his coach disrespected him three times in that very same season. The Pacers offered him the contract and were willing to make him a focal point. Tie, uh, tie him up with uh, Halliburton. The Suns organization decided to match that and forced the Pacers to offer a deal higher which they weren't willing to do because they're still trying to build a full roster, which is why they moved away from Sabonis, etc. It was Monty Williams' job to reconcile the situation he created with DeAndre Ayton. And over the course of these four years, he never did so. He just continued to pile on to that young man and basically create another Kwame Brown-like situation. To the tune of that disrespect bleeding over to Booker, who also has taken shots and thrown Aiden under the bus. But people choose to remember what they choose to remember because it was Booker who was getting himself lambasted by Luka Doncic in 2021-2022, not Aiden. In the playoffs in 2020-2021, it was Aiton that was balling consistently versus the Lakers, the Nuggets, the Clippers, until they got into that series versus the Bucks. We all know that Booker is supposed to be the franchise guy, yet we've seen now in, what, three straight seasons that Booker couldn't measure up? Booker looked very good alongside KD because it's KD. You can't single cover AD. So it took a lot of the attention away from Booker. So he was able to put up 35. He was able to put up 40. That's what he was supposed to do. But did he do anything on the defensive end? Did he measure up on the defensive end? I could have swore that that uh, Jamal Murray put up like 34 on him maybe twice in the series. 
But nobody's really, you know what I'm saying, talking about that because he had a high point per game average. And now people are leaning more towards Durant than they are towards Booker as the cause for the Phoenix Suns bowing out in the second round. Did you all also know that DeAndre Ayton doesn't even have 64 doesn't even have 64 shot attempts in the past four years in the playoffs. As a matter of fact, this year, playoffs, or let me let me just go to this season, this this particular series that they lost. He only had 45 attempts. Only 45 attempts, which means that Payne, Durant, and Booker all average more attempts than him. I know last year off the top of my head, because I, I had looked at these statistics previously. I know last year uh, versus the Mavericks, uh, DeAndre Ayton uh, was around like 49 or so attempts. I think it averaged out to about 80 or so for the series. Just to let you all know, franchise players, go-to players, even number two options, average about 100 field goal attempts in just a series in the playoffs. Just a series. In just a series. Mind you, Booker was hurt against the Pelicans. And they got over the Pelicans. They won that series 4-2. It was just Chris Paul and DeAndre Ayton. So it's not the fact that he can't have any type of uh, position where he can be the go-to guy for a period of time. Not long, but for a period of time. And he did average above 18 in that series. Which got them to the next round versus the Dallas Mavericks. While I may agree with most of y'all that DeAndre Ayton comes off as less energized, lazy, got a stink attitude. I also have to look at why that is. He's been a complete afterthought his entire run in Phoenix with Monty Williams as the coach. This team is now guard heavy with the occasional small forward showing signs of life while Aiden is just expected to handle all the rest of the shit. I remember when Monty wouldn't double team Giannis in the finals nor clog the paint to prevent him from going off. Remember, he also placed that blame at Aiden's feet. Despite the fact that he had a JaVale McGee on the bench, the fact that he had a Baines on the bench. So he had bodies that he could have thrown at Giannis and he refused to do so. I will also say that some players need a little pick me up. Some need direction. Some need to be fed in different ways to get them to play strongly in the ways that they normally most often fail in. We've seen many examples of big man needing sort of like a nice little pick me up to be reassured or to be told different things in order to get them to play 
strongly on both sides of the ball, even when they're not normally consistently able to do so. Look at Vladi Divac. Look at Dwight Howard. Look at Shaquille O'Neal of all people. Shaquille O'Neal was the most dominant player we had seen since Wilt Chamberlain and Michael Jordan. And Phil Jackson put in his book, both Shaq and Kobe have alluded to this story where, and this is just one example. I'm giving you this one example because they all have told this story and you can literally go look it up on YouTube where Kobe was carrying the team while Shaq was out due to injury. Kobe was about to break a long-standing seasonal record, the most consecutive 40-game, 40-point-per-game uh, average. Shaq had come back from injury, and Phil Jackson wanted to work him in properly to the rotation, get him the rock, build his confidence up so he could be ready for the playoffs. So what did he request of Kobe? Hey man, dial it back a little bit. We're losing the big man. Big man ain't feeling too confident, you know what I'm saying? Big man ain't out there hustling that much. We got to bring him back in. Kobe ended up breaking his streak, scoring 38 in that game, okay? But Shaq also had a monster game. I think he put up like 32, 12, 5, and 6, something like that, right? And it built Shaq's confidence up, and Shaq went on the tear in the playoffs. That's what a good coach does. Monty Williams has had all of these years to rectify that situation with DeAndre Ayton, and he decided not to do so. So while people want to rag on him and blame him for the shortcomings of the Suns, these are just a few things that I believe led to Monty Williams firing and the deserving of said following. Firing, I'm sorry. I think there is a wave of coaches out there who are only as good as their superstar. Only as good as their superstar. If their superstar can't carry them, they don't know how to get their team energized. They don't know how to orchestrate plays and scenarios to get guys going or worked in so they can become consistent factors. They need, in this league today, there's too many of these coaches that need three superstars to be noteworthy winners. Not even contenders, but just noteworthy winners. The Suns were a very, very deep team. Very deep team. When you look at a team like the Celtics, when you look at a team like the Denver, Denver Nuggets, you know why they are uh, legitimate threats? It's because they have a, a number one and number two option, but they are also very deep. I'm not even a fan of Malone and his coaching in Denver because I don't think that Malone properly uses Michael Porter Jr. at all. But... You can't ignore Michael Porter Jr. 
You can't ignore the fact that they have Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic, but they also got Aaron Gordon. Notice how somebody like KCP has been a viable threat and factor for the Denver Nuggets. He ain't just out there uh, calculating fouls and stuff like that. He's making cut shots when they need him to. He's making clutch defensive plays when they need him to. These are the things that people like Cameron Payne and Johnson and them were doing in Phoenix. And they were rewarded by getting traded because, hey, it's KD. I'm sorry, it is KD. But what else are you going to do? This is somebody that you lied before. This is somebody that you wanted to get. You didn't think about the coaching aspect of it and what you were going to do once you got him. Oh, no, you decided that you were just going to blame DeAndre Ayton for the shortcoming, which is just silly because now you took the ball out of hand even more, especially knowing full well that you had a CP3 for the past three years who has never finished the season. Another issue. You know that CP3 is not finishing seasons at all. Why do you not have a backup point guard for him? Devin Booker obviously cannot be the point guard anymore. You've allowed him to be a standard shooting guard, scoring guard. Now you want him to facilitate the offense? That's not going to work. You want him to get other people going? While he's supposedly your number one option, that's not going to work. That's poor coaching strategy. And yes, a lot of people are going to say, well, it was the organization that made the move and stuff like that, blah, blah, blah. But the organization, the only three moves that they made that were not to his understanding was, or or I, let me say maybe approval was was to, to get rid of Bridges and Cameron that he said himself in press conference, he cried over, he cried losing those guys. But his desire for Kevin Durant was higher. It was more important for him. He was willing to go through that pain because, hey, get that type of talent. But he never put forth any type of thought process as to, hey, what the hell am I going to do when I get him? Can't blame everybody else. All right, man, I'm going to stop it right there, man. This was just a little teaser. I wanted to kind of get the conversation moving along. Um, if you are interested in talking a bit further, you can reach us, reach out to us via email, tknhouseent at gmail.com. That's tknhouseh-o-u-s-e ent at gmail.com or you can respond to where you see and hear this particular podcast i would definitely like to join in with you all whether it be live or interactively in the other ways i want to thank you all for tuning in we're going to speak more on these coaching firing 
and we're going to even speak on those who we think should be fired. How about Doc Rivers? Hmm, that's a good question. All right, y'all, I'll holler. In the meantime, between time, have a blessing.